You ready? Yes. You ready to do this? Let's do this. Yeah, are you are you are you setting your phasers to stunning? <laughs> yes. Star Trek, our favorite frontier. are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. This is Paul. Welcome to yet another exciting installment of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. We've recorded two of these bitches within one week of each other. Uh, you know, less than a week, right? Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, pretty crazy. Yeah, I think I, we recorded the last one, I think, on Wednesday. Yeah. So, yeah, that's six days, Paul. Wow. Yeah. Hey, I, 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 but I do want to run something by you. Uh-oh. Yeah. So I feel like we should just scrap this whole Star Trek with Aaron and Polly thing. And, and why is that? I feel like we should replace it with the Goldbergs with Aaron and Polly. <laughs> and why would we do such a thing? Well, one, I feel like they release their episodes more frequently and there are more of them so that we can record them, mm-hmm. these episodes, more frequently. Uh, and we've got like five seasons to catch up on and it's humorous. I was just watching it before I came up. It's a funny show. Huh. I've ne- I have never seen an episode. Really? I that 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 astounds me. Though I have listened to uh two of the writers of that show um you know talk about it a lot on a podcast. Hmm. Uh, because they both they both have a Star Trek podcast called Star Trek the Next Conversation with Matt Myra and Andy Secundus, I believe those are the names. Huh. Yeah. And of course Matt Myra is the guy who who hosted the After Trek show last season on CBS All Access that of course did not apparently get renewed for this season. Well, did anyone watch that thing? No, and I think that was the issue. I think that uh it was uh poorly supported. And and as much as I like Matt Myra, I, I kind of thought the show was a disaster. I'm kind of surprised that freaking Talking Dead is still on. Like who watches those? Oh, you know, I I think the reason why Talking Dead continues to be successful is that, number one, The Walking Dead is still really very popular. And you they people like being able to tune in and, and think about the episode that happened that night. I just yeah. don't think that uh, Star Trek Discovery was there yet. Yeah. Well, and it's also something you have to watch separately, right? It's not like uh, you just leave your TV on and it rolls right into it. And it was always lengthy, right? I mean, and I know The Talking Dead is also an hour show, but really I just need like 15, 20 minutes. And they had that with Stranger Things season two, and I didn't watch any of those either. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't even know they had that for Stranger Things. So just so you know, my when I mentioned the Goldbergs, I was actually not trying to tie it back to Star Trek, but bam, <laughs> that happened. <laughs> Sorry, I, you know, I, I'm just you know professional podcaster here, Paul. I, I mean, I am impressed. I am legitimately impressed. I, I can do it. I can do it. It's almost as impressive as Star Trek Discovery season two ratings. You know, that is crazy. 
That is crazy. I, I, I am. <laughs> I am also actually this I'm astounded by you not watching the Goldbergs. That's surprising. You should still do it. This is astounding um, that uh, that apparently Star Trek Discovery season two had a well, let's clarify Star Trek Discovery season two and the AFC championship game resulted oh. in, <laughs> oh. yeah, resulted wow. in CBS is- All Access having a 72% increase in subscribers over the weekend. That is crazy because if Star Trek has a kryptonite, it is football. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> and now they didn't clarify which percentage of that 72% was Star Trek and which one was uh, the AFC uh, championship game. But, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, there are – if you are a non cable subscriber which is becoming more and more prevalent sometimes the way to watch your football is is through apps like these and cbs is one of the few like local station apps that yeah. you can get without having a cable subscription like if you get and if you want download the nbc app you can't just like watch it they well, still need to verify you have a cable account and you know one of the nice things about cbs all access and there's very and i'll be straight with you there are very few nice things about cbs all access but one of the nice things about cbs all access is that you can get your local station meaning like you know and you're not just getting the cbs content but you can also get your local station like you know channel 4 or whatever uh to and 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 watch the local news the you know the the local programming in addition to your cbs all access programming yeah well and so it is kind of a nice feature yeah and cbs is the home of the super bowl so if you have cbs all access you can also watch the super bowl now you'll miss out all on on all the good trailers and you'll just see the same three commercials all over and over and over again if you watch it on the app i'm sure actually i don't know i don't know how it works on cbs all access I'd be curious about that. What, what, what is that you're curious about? The Super Bowl, right? So when they air the Super Bowl oh. on CBS All Access, do you watch it with the regular commercials or do you watch it with CBS All Access commercials? I have no idea. It's a live sh- it's a live show, so I don't know how they do that. Yeah, good question. Hmm. I would imagine you get your local network feed. Yeah, I would guess. think so. But, uh, you know, I, I think that we have gone hardcore sports ball. On this episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly, yes, I I, I think Tim that we would should, be impressed. I think that maybe we should talk about who our favorites are in the upcoming Super Sports Bowl. Yeah, um, yeah, because yeah. you know, I, here's the thing. I, I think that uh, you know that one team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that if they get the ball and run with the ball and score with the ball, I think they will win. Very astute of you. Yeah, that's my. Those are my thoughts. I think that's uh, you know, I think that's risk. Risky, risky proposition, but hopefully they'll pull it off. Coming up next, sports ball with Aaron and Polly. Ah, now we just pissed him <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we talk about uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 2, Episode 1, Brother, I would like to share a little bit of comic news that had me kind of excited today. What? Excited like aroused? I, I, I popped, a little, popped a little Spock chubby. I, 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 why, you know, not everything needs to be applied to Star Trek, Aaron. Just because we're on a Star Trek podcast, yeah. yeah I'm just saying, I had the Vulcan salute going on in my pants. It's just, oh, Jesus, uh, <laughs> it keeps going. I shoot first. That's what I'm saying, Paul. Oh my God. Well, that's not news. 
So IDW, the current license holder of uh, the Star Trek property and comic books, is uh, going to be producing a Star Trek Year 5 of the original series. Uh, and one of the things that has me really excited about this, Paul, is they're setting it up like a writer's room, like, like, like you would for a television show. It's not just a guy writing a book. You're going to have a whole team of guys you know, out there uh, getting this thing together. I do wish that more, uh, you know, um, TV or comic books based on TV shows that continue the TV show employed that um, that thinking, right? In in that, you know, we we generally it's like, well, you know, Jim Zub is going to take on Buffy season seventy five. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things. And in general, if they applied a writer's room concept to it, much like the TV show, I think it would it would be beneficial. I also yeah. – one of the things that I find most frustrating in, in most of these TV show-based uh, comic books is that, you know, they're like, well, I had an unlimited bu- – you know, comic books allow you to have an unlimited budget so you can do whatever you want. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, then it doesn't feel like the TV show. Yeah. Well, we've got comic book writers such as Brandon Easton, Jody Hauser, Jim McCann, and the team of Colin Kelly and Jason Lansing. And I think the thing that I find the most interesting about this is that the Tiptons have been writing almost all of the Star Trek books over there at IDW. So it's real surprising to me to find that not a single Tipton is involved with this production. Oh, yeah. Well, they're they're tippeting something else, tiptoning something else. <laughs> and I think what's super exciting, Paul, is the Greg Hildebrandt covers that uh, each of these issues will be featuring. Yeah, and I, I haven't seen Greg Hildebrandt in, in quite a while uh, producing any type of work, much less comic book work. So, yeah, I, and it's it a is. it's a nice cover. It is. Yeah, they've got a sample cover up, I guess, of the first issue, mm-hmm. and it is super hot. I uh, I like it rather a lot. It's very retro in its appearance, which is appropriate for an original series, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a comic book. I I'm excited. I I really am. This is the first thing I've been excited about in the Star Trek comics in a while, other than Star Trek versus Transformers. Which I highly recommend. Well, and what excites me about it is that it is um, supposedly telling the story of the conclusion of the Enterprise's five-year right. mission, right? right. And, and and kind of it sounds like leads into some of the the feelings those characters had to, uh, towards each other when we next see them chronologically right. in Star it, Trek: The Motion Picture. It should be setting up, you know, Kirk's promotion to the Admiralty. It should be setting up, you know, Spock's alienation from his friends and deciding to pursue the the Kolinar so that uh, he can divest himself of uh, all of these human emotions. Mm-hmm. That's what it you seems know, like it's setting up. So I'm, I'm yeah. curious. Yeah. You know, one thing I, I, before we get into discovery proper, I wanted to provide an update. Regarding the Orville, because we had spoken last week about, Hey, I'll give Orville one more episode. And if it doesn't lure me in, I'm out. Right. And I will say, the fourth episode of the Orville Season 2, I actually quite enjoyed. Um, same frustrations are there um, in regards to the world building. I appreciate the uh, – you've seen it, right? Yeah. I appreciate them bringing back the Krill. Um, you know, unfortunately, the, the the reintroduction of the Krill is frustrating because they refer to something that happened in one episode back in Season 1. Um, you know, that's – 
in the grand scheme of things, it's not something that they continued the thread on until this one episode of season two, which which frustrates me. It goes back to the world building. You're referring to something that happened last season that's not really fresh in my memory, so I don't really remember it, but okay. Um, they also introduce a new alien race that looks kind of like orcs from Lord of the Rings yes. that hasn't really been mentioned ever before. Um, so, you know, that, that there are frustrate the, the frustrating aspects of the Orville again are that they just seem to be creating it as they go along rather than going in with a series Bible in place. Um, but I did enjoy the episode, uh, from an emotional level, um, you know, the, 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 the story behind it and, you know, no spoilers here, but you know, it's, it's a pretty decent episode. So I will continue with it until an episode pisses me enough, pisses me off enough to not watch it. So if next episode, it looks stupid, which next episode looks like another regular series, serious episode. Yeah, I I, I thought uh, this 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 episode four, is that right? Yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. Of the Orville was good. You know, it uh, you know. There, there, it, things got a little got a little hot because you know the captain and his girlfriend get uh, captured by the krill. How will they ever get out of it, Paul? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I, I, I did enjoy it. I, I did not. I, I'm still reeling from the loss of uh, of Lara. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't like seeing her gone, but uh, I thought it was a good show. I will say one thing, and I'm just going to do a brief hash spoiler spoiler hashtag spoiler. Um, so skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this. Maybe two minutes because Aaron will probably respond. Um, it is intriguing to me that they basically stole the twist from Star Trek Discovery uh-huh. um, with with the captain's girlfriend uh, being an undercover Krill slash Klingon. Uh-huh. It, it, I just found that interesting. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I, the show is nothing if not derivative. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and, and I think it's fine that they that they lean into that. You know, as long as long as they're showing other sides. Yeah. You know. So. so I, right. it was, I thought it was a good show. I did. I, too. I was entertained. All right. Hashtag spoiler warning off. Uh, is that how that works? It is. That's what a hashtag is. Crosshatch spoiler warning. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Actually, hashtag hashtag hashtags. <laughs> Actually, let's go. Let's put it back on hashtag. Spoiler warning, because we're going to talk about season one of episode season two, episode one, <laughs> brother, brother, uh, brother, directed by Mr. Alex Kurtzman. Yes, yes, Alex Kurtzman, who is, you know, um, somehow under the radar became like the Star Trek guy. Yeah, the you know, Star Trek guy. Yeah, I mean, as far as it relates to television, Alex Kurtzman is pretty much the guy. Yeah. Um, you know, he started in the Star Trek J.J. Uh, Abrams movies. I mean, he started right. He was a Kelvinverse guy, right? Yeah, Kelvinverse guy. And then he took on a job being the the head guy for the Dark Universe series for Universal um, that started with The Mummy. I think he also directed right. that film. Um, and it, it flopped so bad, even though I quite enjoyed it, um, that he, he you know, he, he quit that job and quickly hopped on to, uh, to Discovery. And uh, he's, he's pretty much the guy, again, as yep. it relates to Star Trek. Kind of like Last Man Standing, right? Yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> he also co-wrote. Uh, he, he, you know, he's kind of in that Abrams camp, which started also, which pr- actually started with the the Spielberg camp. But if, if you're not familiar with Alex Kurtzman, he's Kurtzman. Um, you know, he he did a lot with Fringe, Lock and um, excuse me, Cowboys and Aliens, Alias, um, 
Sheena Warrior Princess, oddly enough. The Sleepy Hollow television show, Scorpion, uh, Salvation, Hawaii Five-0. Uh, you know, he's he's kind of all over the place, but lots of TV, lots of, of memorable TV um, in his resume. I loved Fringe. Loved Fringe. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. And also heavily involved in the Transformers um, series you know, from uh, – Michael Bay, uh, he, he co-wrote uh, a number of those movies, uh, and so and and as well as co-writing again the Star Trek movies, and now being uh, a writer and director for Discovery and apparently the Picard series, yeah, showrunner yeah. for Discovery yeah. as well as I don't know if he's a showrunner for Dis- um, the Picard show. I think he's showrunner for everything Star Trek. I think he is the Grand High Poobah. I think he is the all new. Uh, uh, is it was it Bergman Brandon Braga? Oh, Brandon Braga. Braga. Oh, yeah, Brandon yeah. Braga. Yeah, was it no? Brand, there was Brandon Braga and Berman. Berman. Uh, uh, Ron Berman, right? Uh, I think he's that new guy. He 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 is uh, CBS's guy for anything Star Trek. He uh, he's going to have his hand in it. Yeah, and 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 thank God because let me tell you, I'm gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and step on out there. Star Trek Discovery season two episode one is gorgeous. Yes, yes, and it, you know, again, still he- heavily borrows the um, the look. Sure, for uh, uh, from, from, from the Kelvin from the Kelvinverse. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I, I, I'm I'm going to go ahead and shortcut it, Paul. I have literally no complaints about this episode. Uh, I know that you probably do because that's just who Paul is. Uh, but uh, I I pay the negativity every morning. <laughs> I got to tell you, I enjoyed the writing. I enjoyed the direction. I enjoyed the special effects. I enjoyed the. I, I enjoyed just everything. There was a little bit of humor. There was a little bit of danger, but it was never dark. You know, it, it was exciting. And yeah, there were stakes. And yeah, somebody dies. But the show was just firing on all cylinders and it, and it laid down some wonderful work on some of the characters that we're going to get to examine this year. I really got a kick out of this episode. Yeah, I, I loved it. And if I had two minor, minor quibbles, it would be that one, I found it. There's, there's a character who dies in this episode and his, his death is, is telegraphed from the beginning. Oh yeah. Uh, pretty much as soon as he, he walks off the enterprise um, that, that character is just like, so dickish. You just know he's going to die. Um, you know, as a pride of, uh, as a, you know, a sin of vanity, uh, or pride, I should say. Uh, and then, um, I was, I was frustrated that Burnham visited the enterprise in the episode and we don't see it. Um, right. You know, yeah, he, well, they, the only they didn't build that supporter. set, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was kind of a bummer. Um, you know, given yeah. the, how big the enterprise I, is, is and, I really is, wanted to see the bridge. I did too. I really wanted to see the bridge, and I'm sure at some point in the season we'll see it. You know, because the 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 just a a little bit of uh, I guess everyone has seen the episode at this point who's listening to this, but you know, the whole point is that the enterprise is is down for repairs. Uh, Pike has taken control of the. Um, I was about to say the Orville. The discovery at the beginning of the episode and at the end of the episode um, is continuing his control of the discovery. Um, and so the Enterprise is just kind of out there. But I, I will say uh, I thought uh, – I, I don't recall the actor's name, but I know he was in – I don't know, uh, that inhuman show that didn't last. But the guy who plays Captain Pike was yeah. stellar. He was fantastic. 
he 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 I really liked his his uh his portrayal of Captain Pike. Yeah, Anson Mount is the actor who plays Captain Pike. And what I really enjoyed uh number 1 is that they didn't fuck around at the beginning of the show. They didn't they didn't, you know, go uh and and make make you hunt for why Captain Pike was coming over or to meet Captain Pike. I mean, it happens pretty damn fast, right? Yeah. That that Captain Pike beams over and immediately answers all the questions that we're asking. You know, this is kind of weird. He's assuming command of Discovery. How can we trust this guy, particularly after Lorca? And he just leans into it and answers all those questions and literally says to the bridge crew and to us, I'm not Lorca. Yeah. You know, I'm a good guy. I'm not Lorca. And you can tell by the way he, you know, yeah, he comes across as brusque uh, because, you know, there's an emergency afoot. But he, he, he has the same values as the others on Discovery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if you had any concerns, as I did, are we going to continue to be a dark universe, right, as we spent so much time in the mirror universe and even before that being, you know, everything being shadowed by Lorca, you know, um, he, he sets the tone really early on. And the the characters, the, the crew of the Discovery sets the tone. And Burnham says, you know, you've got to learn to trust us. And we don't leave Starfleet behind. And I mean, just these very affirmative sort of statements. And we see that where she won't just let him go. You know, she risks herself, as we would expect Spock or McCoy or Kirk to do. We see her risk herself to, to save his life. Yeah. I loved it. I, I, I thought he came on the bridge... Uh, kind of knowing who he is mm-hmm. um you know his, his his he's felt very sure in his character it wasn't one of those episodes where it's like well i guess we'll have to give him a couple episodes to see him you know get him get his legs under him he was he was just on he was he was christopher pike from the jump uh, i enjoyed i i enjoyed the byplay in the turbo lift where you know we meet the other alien on the ship who you know sneezes on uh you know one of captain pike's guys right I enjoyed that that little bit of humor because, you know, it actually worked. And it's so rare when humor works in Star Trek, right? Uh, And and my only complaint about that is that I – I found a complaint, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) My only only complaint about that is that I saw it in the previews. Yeah. You know, that the the one moment of humor in the show – they showed to us in previews, and I wish that they wouldn't do that. Yeah, I will say this episode went a, a great deal of effort into, one, making the characters more likable all yeah. around, all around. Even, you know, the the engineer, the, um, uh, God, I'm forgetting the guy's name. An- Anthony Rapp, uh, Paul Anthony, Stamets. Yeah, Stamets. Yeah. Um, you know, who who was likable in doses in season one, but generally, you know, kind of an asshole in, in other areas. You know, was likable in this. You know, he misses yeah. he misses his husband. Um, you know, you understand a, a little bit of his gruffness, but at the same time, he's still kind to Tilly. Uh, all the characters, especially Burnham, came across yeah. much better. I think they went a long way to really just like here's likable characters. And I will say one thing that I appreciated was Pike coming on the bridge and saying, "I need everyone's names." Because I think that's one thing yeah. that that people yeah. say. Okay, well, there's Robot Eye Girl, and then there's the other <laughs> lady, and you know they're like, no, here are names which are good because yeah. he'll refer to them by their names, and and you know having that repetition I think will will help yeah, make those characters right. more memorable, and that's something that those characters I couldn't tell you their names in season one, and then so I appreciated that. I have one more complaint, Aaron. One more. Well, before you hop onto your other complaint, hold on to that. I'm holding it. 
I, you know, you mentioned Paul Stamets, and I was surprised to see uh, Wilson Cruz's name still in the opening credits, as if he is an ongoing character in the show. Uh, Wilson Cruz, of course, playing, uh, you know, Stamets's boyfriend? Husband. Le- husband? Uh, you know, Dr. Hugh Culber. And who died in uh, season one and who has a little bit of a scene in this episode. And so I'll be real curious if he continues to be listed as an ongoing character in the show. I thought that was an interesting, I thought I really noticed that that too. I found that interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so hit me with your other complaint, Paul. Um, my other complaint, and, and I don't know if it was in season one, but I, I certainly found it distracting in this first episode of season two is Saru's wavy arms. (laughs) <laughs> he's walking down the hallway and his arms are just like way that last season. Too. He did. I yeah. never noticed it. And it was distracting as shit. It, does it distract you? Cause it makes you hungry every time you see him on screen. <laughs> I mean, cause I got to tell you every time Saru comes on the screen, brother, I could eat. <laughs> brother. I, mean, <laughs> I, I just, I, I get so hungry watching those ganglia. <laughs> Do you imagine that at the really fine Kelpian restaurants, that uh, you know they that they bring the kelpie into your table and you just trim the ganglia off their off their head as you eat. Do you do you think that's what they do there? I'm sure it is. I've never eaten at a really fine kelpie in restaurant, Paul. <laughs> you know. Well, yet. <laughs> yes, that is true. Kelpie's God, man, it's what's for dinner. Mmm, <laughs> delicious, delicious kelpian. Yeah, I know. That's that's the way they walk, Paul. It's the way they they walk to show off. Mmm. This is dinner. Nom, 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 nom. So, I, I, but I, 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 I have to diverge. You know, I'm still well within my New Year's resolutions. And, uh, you know, I want, I want to keep the weight off. And, you know, that Kelpian can be uh, a little fattening. Yeah. If you will. So, but let's talk about the new character, another new character on the show, Tignataro, playing Jet Reno. Just Jet. Jet. <laughs> <laughs> so, um,. You know, they go over to they, – they find this crashed Starfleet vessel that's on an asteroid that's about to plunge into a pulsar, I think. And um, on it, they find, you know, the the survivor – surviving engineer, Jet Reno. Yeah, and that's how you have to say it, Paul. Jet Reno. Um and she has really kind of created a little shop of horrors in the manner in which she has kept her fellow crewmen alive by, you know – doing things i mean it really is sort of a mad scientist workshop which i know you paul you kind of loved oh yeah i enjoyed that sequence yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, did, I did well you know it was one of those kind of things it's like there's a little bit of scotty to it you know from that episode uh uh oh shoot i forget the name of the relics from next next generation where he has suspended himself in, you know, a transporter beam that's just continuing to cycle while they wait for, for rescue. And so, you know, 80 years later, he gets rescued. There's something about that here. It's that out-of-the-box engineering think that, you you know, it's like, well, why don't they do this kind of stuff all the time if they've got that kind of technology? Well, you know, just Jet. Uh, just did that. I mean, I kind of – I don't know if I'm sold on the actress yet. Tignataro. Yeah. But uh, I did like the character quite a bit, you know, and I also yeah. like the, you know, I mean, her just, 
I can't. I'm thinking. Of, I'm trying to think of her her lines, and I can't think of her her lines. But she was just very much like, "Well, I didn't want to get shot the shit out of by a bunch of Klingons." Yeah, you know. I mean, just the the way you would talk if you have been uh, hiding out from uh, Klingons for a while. She has a very Bones sensibility to her. You're right. She does, and I wonder if that's what they were going for. Possibly. Yeah. 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 You're right. That very just sort of you know, dry, acerbic sort of wit. So I, I dug this show. I dug the little near death vision that, uh, that, uh, uh, Michael Burnham had where she saw the red angel. Yeah. I'm curious where that's going. Yeah. Are we, are we going to go real- battle on five up in this? <laughs> it's in the containment suit. It's the Vorlon. <laughs> um, <laughs> spoilers. Um, <laughs> I was surprised when she went to visit Spock's quarters and she starts, you know, throwing his, you know, uh, computer work up in the sky, up in the air so that she can look at it. And I was, I really did expect that we'd see the red angel in that, but all we got were the red flashes that Captain Pike had seen earlier on. Yeah. And we got an absolute sure Skywalker is, is what we That's got right. there. <laughs> Where's Luke? <laughs> The missing piece of the map is with BB-8. Yeah, um, he's out there with a bunch of porgs. <laughs> yeah, so that's that. That is how the episode ended with Burnham discovering a map, basically to Spock, um, or or what he was uh, on his quest to do. Yeah, and so and that's where the episode ends. And uh, I, 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 I'm assuming we will continue down that particular storyline. Well, and I guess one thing we should talk about before we adjourn is that, you know, we learn, you know, we had suspected that there was some, you know, sibling dysfunction earlier on between uh, Spock and Michael Burnham. And we get to see a little bit of it, that she was not a welcome addition to the family, that Spock was just not wild about her being there from the jump, even though she says at one point that it, at, at a point they got to become more brother and sister. But then something happened. Hmm. That, uh, you know, she says something happened, you know, real nebulously. Something happened and, you know, she pushed him away, right? Interesting. Um, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and put my money down here, Paul. Are you ready? Are you ready? Is it a Spock chubby? I, I think that there was a little Ponfar action going on. And uh, it's that hot, hot brother and sister loving. Do you really think that's what it is? I, I think there could be something to that. Oh, well, they're technically not related. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying. Okay, okay. Not technically. (laughs) Well, I guess we will see in future episodes, but next week's episode of Star Trek Discovery is titled New Eden and is the first of two episodes directed by Jonathan Frakes this season. Pretty excited about that. And I wonder if it ties into the Eden episode of uh, of uh, uh, the original series where we got to hear that great song, Stepping Into Eden. Yay, brother. Only if we're lucky. <laughs> well, I, you know, we are super excited about this brand new season of Star Trek Discovery, if you can't tell it in our voices. Uh, we want to know what you think, so give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the air, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on Instagram, IOMGeek. Facebook, IOMGeek, or Twitter, at Ideology Madness. Whatever you're doing, stop what you're doing, and give us a call. Do it! 
Well, Paul, we'll see you next time. Absolutely. Until then, live long and prosper. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'll do that. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade. 